Hello and welcome to I Don't Know the Podcast, episode 53, Breatharians. Breatharians claim that food and sometimes water is not necessary for survival and that with the right training and mental conditioning, we can survive solely on prana, the life force of Hinduism. Some think all we need for nourishment is sunlight. These people claim they can bypass breakfast, lay low at lunch and dodge dinner and be healthier and happier than you and me. They've obviously not seen me when my entree's 10 minutes late. Who are these people who think their shit don't smell? In fact, do they shit at all? Could these skinny anti-scoffers be right? I don't know. So listen on to find out what else I don't know about breatharians. Breatharianism isn't anything new. There are accounts of unbelievably long fasting periods written in Hindu and Taoist texts. There are Rosicrucian texts saying that various sages survived fasting for over 20 years without ingesting food or water. In fact, most religions have tales of some sort of food-denying feats. Usually the point of the story is something about self-discipline. If you ask me, it's more about a lack of survival skills. I mean, look at Bear Grylls. He'd rather eat elephant shit than go hungry. In more modern times, breatharianism has had a bit of a renaissance. And it's not coming from elderly Indian gurus either. It's coming from skinny westerners who are preaching the benefits of giving up eating. Even skinny celebrities have been involved in breatharianism. When Michelle Pfeiffer first moved to Los Angeles, she met a couple of trainers who put her on an extreme diet and she even had to pay them lots of money for the privilege. It was only when her husband, Peter Horton, was researching a role in a film about the Moonies that she realised she might be in a cult. I'm not sure what that tells us about Michelle Pfeiffer. Maybe three times Oscar-nominated actors aren't as smart as they portray themselves to be. Maybe it's all an act. Eating is an acquired habit just like drinking alcohol or smoking cigarettes. I guess it's tempting to say that she's mad. Six thousand people have done this around the world without any problem, Richard. The human body is totally dependent on food for everything it does, in the same way that a car needs petrol. One of the biggest promoters of breatharianism in modern times was a guy called Wiley Brooks, a very slim African-American gentleman with a style that suggests he has more than a passing interest in disco music. He came to prominence in the early 80s. In 1981, he appeared on The Tomorrow Show with Tom Snyder. 
Now here is Mr. Wiley Brooks, who stopped eating 17 years ago, claiming that all the elements we need to survive are in the air and an occasional glass of fruit juice. Uh, this is called breatharianism. And if it sounds hard to swallow, we're going to find out now from the man who knows. Would you please welcome Mr. Wiley Brooks? Here he is. Wiley, welcome to our show. <laughs> hard to swallow. Oh, Tom. Thank you. I want to ask you something. You, you, you haven't eaten for 17 years. You have not had a sandwich, a hamburger, hot dog, pretzel, a piece of roast beef, fish, vegetables, nothing for 17 years. Right. Well, let me explain what breatharianism is first, okay. if I might. I think Tom already did explain what it was. Breatharianism is a philosophy that believes that the human body, when it's in perfect harmony with itself and nature, is a perfect breatharian. Now, all of the constituents that we need is taken from the air we breathe. And the fact is, there is only one thing that keeps the human body alive, and that is breathing. Now, I'm not a doctor, so I did a little research on that, and I found Wiley's first comment to be, at the very least, debatable. The food that we take is the same as any other thing we take into the body, as it becomes a habit. In other words, eating is an acquired habit, just like drinking alcohol or smoking cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And much like drinking alcohol and smoking cigarettes, eating is a habit I really don't want to give up. Well, does that mean that when a baby is born, you don't have to give it anything to eat, no milk or anything? No, that would only work if the mother was a breatharian. Because we don't come into the world as breatharians from mothers that are breatharian, before we even get started, our blood is poisoned. So while Wiley's advice is very dangerous at the least, he doesn't condone the starving of babies. You see, we already start at a disadvantage when we're born. So because of that, a person needs to be an adult, and that's why I don't even lecture people who are young about being a breatharian. First, you must kick the habit of eating. You see, we don't... <laughs> yes, that's right. How did you kick it? How do you kick it? I hope he doesn't say cold turkey. Well, in my case, I had a real good reason for wanting to do it, and that's the reason, that is the thing that will help anyone. You go to a bad to restaurant it. every night, that'd right. do it, wouldn't you? That helps too, yeah. right. But my main reason was that I was getting old, you know, and I was, uh, my hair was falling out, and my father bawled very early, and of course the answer was that it's hereditary. And I hear that all the time. Every time a person stumps his toe, it's hereditary. As a bald myself, I find comments like this offensive. This guy is starving himself to stop becoming bald. That's not a good reason. I've been bald at various degrees since my 20s. At no point have I thought I should stop eating. You see, but I didn't accept that. So I did not want to get old. I was at 28 at the time, and I'm almost 50 now. Uh, well, 40, 46. I think he paused there to allow Tom to comment on how amazingly young he looks. Tom doesn't because Wiley looks every one of his 46 years, and maybe even more. So, and uh, I decided... Let me tell you how you'd kill him, you say, and would you believe, Tom, yeah. I'm 97 years well, old. So, holy <laughs> cow, look at this guy, this is unbelievable, you know? <laughs> well, I like to say that sometimes, but... See, Tom isn't having any of his claims of youthfulness. But, um, but the feeling is, and, and what I found to be an important thing to inspire people to look into this, is the fact that all of the things we've heard about we must get old and we must get weak and I think I heard when I was a younger person that a man is twice a child and once a man and that is not the case when a person gets older and wiser he should get younger or he should buy a Corvette he should not die in an unhealthy body and this is very important so he should die in a healthy body 
The issue here is not whether I want to die early or will I, whether I will live a long time or not, and that comes up all the time. But the quality of life that I live is the most important thing. And there is no way of having perfect health or perfect happiness without having perfect health. But good food is a major part of my quality of life. So do you breathe, do a lot of deep breathing and things to get the whatever is in the air that's yeah. good for you into your system? No, I don't have to do that. And one of the reasons why I was insistent on finding out how the body worked is because I had always heard that the human body was created by the Creator in perfection. He obviously hasn't seen some of the bodies around Croydon. And obviously, if something is created perfect, there's nothing you can do to it but make it less perfect. And that's exactly what man has done. The body was created perfect. It needed nothing but the breath of life which comes from our, the creative source, God or universal intelligence or whatever name you want to put on it. I'm guessing he doesn't like tattoos. In that state, man was perfect, and all that we have done to it is that we have taken it from that perfect state to a lo lower point of consciousness. And that is why our environments and everything that is in our lives are where they are because of the quality of our blood. You live in Boulder, Colorado. Yes, that's true. Boulder, Colorado, home of Mork and Mindy and, oh, John Benet Ramsey. They have nice air there, you know what I mean? Yes, that's right. What if you live, forgive me, now this is a great city I'm going to mention. Yes, I but What if you live in Secaucus, New Jersey? You know, I mean... It would be a problem. I was going to look up Secaucus, New Jersey, but I couldn't work out how to spell it. So I guess we'll just have to assume it's not the greatest place. Oh, what? Yeah. I think it would. Now, I, now, maybe I'm not right, but I shouldn't say that so directly because I'm not too sure about a Secaucus, but I know there are a lot of industrial plants in, yes, in Jersey, right? Yes, sir. And that would be a problem. And that is one of the major problems. And I thought Snooky and the situation were Jersey's biggest problems. But clearing up the problem does not happen by trying to do it from the outside. It must be done from the inside. Man's in, uh, environment is the direct representation or the reflection of what man is himself. So actually to clear up our environment is necessary to clear up the blood of the people, you see. Is he saying we should get dialysis to clean up the environment? Once a breatharian is probably more concerned with the air than a person who's eating it. How many breatharians are there in this country, would you say? I don't know of that many. I know of uh, uh, several people that have, uh, there, for instance, there was a young lady who stopped eating when she was nine years old and she didn't eat anything for 10 years. That's a dangerous eating disorder. And there are other people that are at varying degrees of breatharianism, you see. So there's another thing that's... I've got to ask uh, you this one yes. on the air. Okay. You're asked it all the time. Right. We read that the hunger strikers in Belfast died. Right. You're living. What's that's the right. difference? What's the difference? The difference is, very importantly, they wanted to die. That is a truly awful thing to say. The hunger strikers were a group of IRA prisoners in the Mays Prison, Belfast, led by Bobby Sands. They went on hunger strike as a protest when Thatcher's government withdrew special category status for convicted paramilitary prisoners. They didn't want to die. They wanted to be treated as prisoners of war. And it was a terrible period of Britain's involvement in Northern Ireland. Ten of the hunger strikers did actually die. So fuck you, Wiley Brooks, for saying that. Health is the thing here. Breatharianism just happens to be a word that seems to be new, but it's been around as long as man has been here. But man has a choice of eating or not eating. I am a not against eating, 
And I, one of the things I'd like to point out right away is I don't recommend fasting. Then why is he there? Now, I know everybody thinks they should run out and stop eating. I'm pretty sure nobody is thinking that. And I don't recommend that because that is not the way to do it. The body has to adjust gradually and retrace itself back to the original state mm -hmm. of health, which was breatharianism. That's the way I view it. I figure in 25 or 30 years, I'll, you know, make the adjustment to right. where I... <laughs> do you ever... I guess you don't get hungry anymore. No, when you walk on the streets and smell things That's being right. cooked, you, you doesn't don't get... mean Doesn't mean a thing, and I can tell you why. It's very simple. He doesn't go out? If we have an automobile, we have a gauge on it that says empty and full. Mm -hmm. If the automobile is full of gas, is there any need to put any more in it? No. So the meter says full. Same thing with me. Your meter's full. The appetite says one thing. That's right. The appetite says one thing. Your body is lacking energy to keep it balanced properly. Now, when you have satisfied that balance in your system by what other method you, you, you might use, the body has no appetite. So there's no reason to eat. Sounds like a Toyota RAV4 hybrid. With its intuitive hybrid engine, you can drive for miles without the needle even moving a millimeter from full. I don't have a lot of time here, but what happens when somebody invites you out to dinner? <laughs> no, I mean, well, I know. eating is. is a social thing, it, too. It you is. know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Tom, I'd like to point out here that is the most difficult thing about becoming a breatharian. <laughs> <laughs> it I, is. I guess it is. I, I mean, he's hardly going to be welcome in a restaurant. He'd just be loitering, basically. Because not only is it, I mean, it's hard for... For, it, for a person to go out and do that, I mean, from my side. But even when I learned to cope with that, I found that I still had difficulty because everybody who knew me would feel guilty about eating all the time. And so. they shouldn't because exactly. you're fine. Exactly. All right. Thank you for being with us tonight, Wiley. My pleasure. Keep going. Happy holidays to you. Thank you. We will continue right after these announcements. Chief. Wiley did the rounds on TV shows in the early 80s touting his extreme diet program. He also set up an institute so his teachings could reach the masses and people could sign up for his courses for the low, low fee of $100,000? No, I didn't misread that. And if you don't have that sort of cash laying around, you can start with an initial deposit of $10,000. But that's just for the lowest level course. You could sign up for the Immortality Workshop for... Any guesses? Anyone? $1 billion. $1 billion to be paid via bank wire transfer for a diet program that includes no food, no protein shakes, no diet pills, no meth or cocaine either. But it seems Wiley wasn't really practicing what he was preaching. In 1983, he was spotted leaving a Santa Cruz 7-Eleven with a Slurpee, a hot dog, and Twinkies. Now, if you want to poison your body, you can't get much better than a 7-Eleven hot dog. His excuse was that when he's around junk culture and junk food, consuming them adds balance. He later added that Diet Coke at McDonald's has special 5D properties and encourages his followers to eat these. I don't know what's worse, telling people to eat nothing or telling people to eat only McDonald's. And it seems that neither strategy worked because Wiley's bid for immortality ended in 2016 when he died at the age of 80 and he was bald and a long way short of immortality. Despite Wiley getting caught, 
Breatharianism still managed to attract interest and followers, especially when followers started to die, even attracting the attention of Jeremy Paxman. For listeners not in the UK, Jeremy Paxman was the bulldog of BBC journalism, a fierce interviewer known for his brusque manner and no-nonsense attitude. And he had a look into Breatharianism for Newsnight. This is the kitchen of a Breatharian. For 63 days, this woman has, she claims, gone without any food whatsoever, apart from fish stock tea with a dash of cider vinegar. Mmm, fish stock tea. The cameraman is in a rather shabby-looking kitchen. The fridge is empty, the cupboards are bare. There's just a cup, presumably for the fish stock tea. She believes it would help her to live longer, more healthily, and with greater mental alertness. I am nourished by prana, as, as uh, old uh, Eastern religion did believe that there is a prana in the air or chi energy or something like that. I know that I am uh, nourished. She didn't say there's prana in the air. That would be terrifying. Although it would explain the fish stock. She's actually said she's nourished by prana, a magical invisible thing in the air that energises the body, apparently. And I am nourished probably very, very well, much better than I was nourishing myself. Despite that name, the Breatharians, the inventor and espouser of this non-food lifestyle, the self-styled Jasmine, does sanction a certain amount of refuelling. A sip of calorie-free water is allowed. You can have as much herb tea as you want. The occasional half cup of orange juice can be drunk. And she has half a chocolate biscuit from time to time. Ah, oh, I hate it when someone eats half a biscuit and leaves the other half in a tin. Just eat the whole fucking thing. Indeed, once the prescribed training period is over, you can eat what you like. The point being that you won't want to. Some scientists have lent a certain amount of credence to the notion that eating very little can be good for you. Starving lab mice and monkeys to the equivalent of a human 800 calories a day has been shown in certain cases to extend life and increase alertness. But that is a very far cry from eating nothing at all. Why are they putting rats on diets? Surely the funding could go to something more worthwhile. The human body is totally dependent on food for everything it does. In the same way that a car needs petrol, a body needs food, and nobody can do without that. Anyone who tells you that they can survive for long periods of time with no food is either kidding themselves, i.e. they are actually eating small quantities of food and enough to keep them going, or they're not telling the truth, they're telling you lies. There. And that's coming from a scientist. Some of the more culturally alien types of behaviour may be gradually gaining respectability in Britain as perhaps not exactly sensible, but at least pretty harmless and well-meaning. But when the practical implications of some other philosophies can be permanent disablement or even death, then can those who claim great benefit for their unique ways of life explain away the harm laid at their door? And this is what got Jeremy's attention. A number of breatharians, or breatharians, died, and in each case, a copy of the book Living on Light was found. Well, we're joined now from Brisbane by Jasmine Heen, who is uh, the uh, author of uh, Living on Light. And, and uh, how long did you go without eating? 
I've been experimenting with this for about six years, but I prepared for this journey for well over 20 years. Jazz Muheen. She's a blonde, skinny Australian woman, and yes, the author of Living on Light. I'd been a, me a meditator for a long period of time, a number of decades. I've been practicing vegetarianism, vegan, raw food, things like that as well. So it's a long journey. It's not an overnight journey. Gotcha. And we like to stress that if people at home do this without this level of preparation, they could experience a lot of problems. Specifically, how long did you go without eating? For me, on and off, well, pretty well just on water and tea for two years. You can't say on or off. It has to be off all the time, surely. Uh, and did you lose weight? No, because I treat the body as a biocomputer, the mind as a software program, and you can reprogram the body if you have a strong mind-body connection so that the body's weight will stabilise. Now, this assumes that you are being nourished. The woman you just had speaking about this said that we do need food, and that's 100% correct. A body does need food to survive. Um, but that food can come in the form of prana or key energy. Again, that's prana, not piranha. And what I'd I like to pardon? share with your view... I beg your pardon? What, what I'd like to share with... Go on. Your... Uh, what I'd like to share with your readers, your viewers, is that there's so much scientific experimentation being done on this already, like scientific Kijong exploration, which has been put together by one of the heads of the Chinese scientific community, uh, uh, Professor Lu Zinyun, and he talks about the state of bijou that people go into where they're living normal lives and they're not eating. Okay, where, where? Very rare. Sure. Drinking as well. Where are they getting their sustenance from if they're not getting it from food? To be honest, I'm amazed Paxman has let her talk so much. He's only interrupted her once. Key, the chi, the universal life force, or what we call prana, or if you're a religious person, you would say you are fed by the light of God, and yeah. obviously that's very hard to measure. This is nonsense. But with key, it's not hard to measure. Th this is just it's not nonsense. This is just you do if you research. don't eat, you die. He's had enough now, and he knows he's right because the scientist told him just now. But that's most people's belief systems in the Western world, and that's why these studies are so powerful and important now. See, every second second, a child dies of hunger-related diseases. Yes, look. And I've found in my research that you can apply the lifestyles that we are living as ambassadors of life to take care of a lot of world health and world hunger-related problems. I, I don't mean to belittle your, your beliefs, and I'm sure they're sincerely held, but there is a woman who is dead in Scotland as a consequence of mm -hmm. following your well, principles. We, Yes, we don't really know what happened in that situation. Well, we know that the diary she, she left behind. We need to leave. Well, we don't need to leave it because we know that the diary that she left behind, that was found with her body, makes extensive references to your book and your ideas. She starved and, herself to death. Yes, we do know what happened. She read Jasmuheen's book and then starved herself to death. Well, also, too, who controls the time of birth and who controls the time of death? There are people with very strong connections with the divine who feel that that is a contract between you and the divine. I have no idea what she meant by that. I think it's very important that people are well prepared because I hate the fact that there are people who could possibly do damage to themselves from following these type of practices. But we'd like to stress that we are not a cult. Hmm... That sounds like something a cult would say. 
This is simply um, a sharing of information that will allow people mm -hmm. to take greater control over their health, their happiness, their vitality, if it is practiced um, and well prepared for properly. How many other people have died as a consequence of following this belief system? Well, the last count in 2012 says five. There was a woman in Australia who went into a coma and was taken off life support systems later when she was um, going through the 21-day process with a man called Jim Pesnak, and he's awaiting trial at this point. The concern is not that she couldn't live on light from what the police have been investigating because they've found enough information now through other fields of research with okay. the yogis to say this is possible. Their concern was, was he negligent in calling the right. police before, okay. the um, ambulance beforehand. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Don't try this at home, as they say. And yes, Paxman has had enough, but I haven't. I think they went to a commercial break, which is what we'll do right now, with another local public service ad. Join us for family fun at Riddlesdown Cockfighting Club every third Tuesday of the month. Come witness the sport of fowls at our October Spectacular as rising star Count Cluckula faces off against reigning champion Foghorn Legspur for the Cockmaster Trophy. Every month, a full card of impeccable sporting matchups. From full-grown adult cocks beating each other off to the death, down to chick-on-chick -chick action on the junior undercar. Forget spicy wings, these birds have spiky wings. So come on down to Riddlestown Cockpit and watch the feathers fly. You'll find us next to the KFC. Since Jasmine Heen seemed to be responsible for the most deaths, I thought I'd dig a bit deeper. Obviously, Jasmine Heen is not her real name. Her real name is Ellen Grieve, and she was born in 1957 in New South Wales, Australia. She worked in the finance industry, where she developed her business management skills. In 1992, she started combining her knowledge of business with meditation and started selling access to workshops and seminars. And it was at this time she changed her name by deed poll to Jasmine Heen. She started to gain notoriety after the publication of her book Living on Light. And the TV show 60 Minutes on Australia decided to take a look at her. So he has fruit juice and he has tofu and vegan food and soya milk when we have guests for tea. Yeah. Now, no one would bother much with this nonsense if it wasn't for the fact that Jasmine's teachings are linked to the deaths of a Melbourne housewife, Lani Morris, and Timo Deegan, a German schoolteacher, and Verity Lynn, an Australian who lived in Scotland. That's just three, but she is linked to more. But I guess that was the body count at the time this was made. They're starting off in Jasmine's fully stocked kitchen. The fridge is full. There's food on the counters. I think I saw a jar of Vegemite, a disgusting tar-like substance that Australians like to put on toast. Personally, I'd rather have that old lady's fish stock. All were following the radical fasting regime promoted in Jasmine's book, Living on Light. Is um, what you're doing and what you surreptitiously advocate dangerous? I don't advocate it. In fact, I've spent three years travelling the world telling people that it's completely unnecessary and not to do this unless there is a calling so deep within them that they are guided beyond anything to do that. She doesn't advocate it. She just writes books saying how great it is to not eat. 
and do it with care if it and involves do, starving yourself. It's not starving. If you've read my literature, it's not about starvation. And it's not about fasting. It's about matching frequencies with this divine force that drives every breath. It's a spiritual initiation, Richard. Well, going without food involves starving yourself. Depending on your experience. In my experience, if I go without food, I am literally starving. Verity Lynn died here in remote Scottish moorlands where she'd been camping alone. By her side was a copy of Jasmine's book and a diary with an entry noting she was into the seventh day of the 21-day fast. Scotland, as we know, is known for three things. Men wearing skirts, deep-fried food and heroin. If I'm in Scotland for seven days, I'm going to at least try two of those. You know just to immerse yourself in the culture. So this woman died following your regiment, is that I fair? have no idea. It's not my regiment. It's a regiment that's been practised for thousands of years that I happen to report on. I hate this woman. When she's answering these questions, or avoiding answering them, she's looking at the guy with a look of absolute disdain in her eyes. What do you support? I support it as a wonderful initiation for people who are very well trained. That you effectively promote by writing books like this? No, it's not a promotion, more about sharing research. No, effectively yeah. promote by writing books like this. Um, the act of writing books like this, I suggest to you, is effectively promoting that regimen that resulted in the death of this woman and others. And I effectively promote in that book absolute self-responsibility, use of personal discernment and self-mastery. Richard Your Millions. responsibility to people who are silly enough to starve themselves. None of the people who are involved in this see it like that. Yeah, but everyone not involved does see it like that. She boasts telepathic powers, but Jasmine prefers to spread the word here on Earth via lecture tours and her internet site. And she earns her daily bread with a thriving mail-order business selling her tapes and books. And she's still doing that. Her website is full of books you can buy or download and seminars and shit that you can attend online. It's not badly priced. She's not charging a billion dollars like Wiley. But I was surprised to see her suicide-inducing shit off for sale on Amazon. Then I thought again, and I wasn't surprised. The interviewer has one such book and starts reading it to her. Physical reality operates in bands of seven, with seven subplanes or sublevels octaves in each band. There are seven chakras, seven colours of refracted white light, and so forth. Mm -hmm. Well, look, man, man, that's just plain gibberish. Of course it is. You've never been exposed to this. Have you ever researched this? Have you ever experienced it? Not. Nobody has researched this. See, what I find very, very difficult is whether you believe this gibberish and are therefore in need of some help or whether you don't believe it and you just put it forward and it makes you a fraudster. Don't you think you should leave it to the audience to decide and the people who've bothered to do in-depth research into what I'm actually saying to decide? I don't think she really wants the audience to decide. And 60 Minutes got a doctor who specialises in cults to do a little research. But what she is teaching is a fraud. Because if she is saying that you can live in this world without eating and drinking then that is a fraud, and people believe it, then they're going to die. He's not mincing his words. I guess it's tempting to say that she's mad, but I shy away from that, because 
My dealing with a lot of cult leaders leads me to believe that they actually believe intensely in what they're doing. But then, I guess when she gets hungry and, and, and eats a piece of uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, uh, I, I would ask her then, uh, does she believe? Because of course she eats. He makes a good point. Of course she eats. But if she truly believes the shit cycle she's peddling, then every bite she takes is going to break her faith. New Age claptrap, half-baked spiritualism. Call it what you will. But it seems there are plenty of gullible people around to swallow the tripe Jasmine serves up. Her YouTube channel doesn't show how many followers it has. But each video gets around 1,000 views on average. So, it's not many, but it's some. How many followers do you think you have? We have no followers because we're dealing with intelligence switched on people who don't need gurus. Not many then. <laughs> Sorry, run that past me again. We have no followers. I write books. I put information out on the net. If people feel it works for them, they may apply some of the principles. How many supporters? Mm, probably 100 million. 100? 100 million. You're doing well. <laughs> we are. 100 million. That's not even an attempt at a convincing lie. Jasmine actually believes she can live without food or water. In fact, when we suggested a test, without hesitation, she agreed. Oh, this is going to be good. So you're happy that we lock you up for seven days and watch you die? You wouldn't watch me die. I'd come out smiling and laughing of your holiday. But you're happy that we lock you up for seven days? Can we do it somewhere really beachy and yummy? No, lock you up inside. Oh, no problem. No problem. We installed Jasmine in a Brisbane hotel with a roster of female security guards in her room 24 hours a day to ensure she didn't eat or drink. It's a pretty nice place too. It's got a view of the harbour and a nice bridge. It makes Australia look quite civilised. But it seems Jasmine isn't really getting on with the surroundings. Her progress was checked by Dr Beris Wink president of the Queensland branch of the Australian Medical Association. And by day two, there were already problems. So you're now over um, and I did four. 5% dehydrated. I did four wheeze today. You were pleased. Is that good? I don't know. If we let this go much longer, that's going to damage your, damage your kidney. Day three, and Jasmine was complaining that city pollution was limiting the nutrients she was able to derive from breathing fresh air. We were stacking the test against her, she claimed, so we agreed to move to another location. So you can only live on nothing if you don't live in a city. Oh, I just smell the air. We went 20 kilometres outside Brisbane to a place called Clear Mountain. Here, Jasmine was happy again, but starting to look gaunt. She was skinny before, but now she looks terrible. And she's acting really weird. By day four, her condition had deteriorated dramatically. Her pulse rate was up, blood pressure down, and she had lost six kilos. It's Friday night. You started on Monday night. How much water have you had? None. None whatsoever? No, I'm not how, allowed. How much food? None, I'm not allowed. How are you feeling? I feel really good now I'm here. You want a lay opinion? A lay opinion? A lay opinion. Yeah, well, I'd look like I'd lost a lot of weight and the doctor confirms that. Yeah. You're not looking real well? No, that's not good. What is it with that voice? She's reverted to baby talk. And the guy's right. She 
looks terrible. You're now quite dehydrated, probably over 10%, getting up to 11%. You might think, last night was 5%. My mouth's still moist and my skin's not bad, so... But the question and is... Her eyes, her eyes are a little sunken. Her pulse is about double what it was when she started. Is she entering a dangerous period? Very much so. This is four 24-hour days she's gone now. And what are the risks? Well, the risk is, risks, if she goes any further, are kidney failure. She's burning up her fat and her muscle. That means uh, she's hardly passing any urine. That's so true. I and did four she... times today. It's too dangerous to continue? Very much so. Too dangerous to continue. 60 minutes would be culpable if they encouraged her to, uh, to continue. So she should stop now? She should stop now. After just four days, she's lost masses of weight, her pulse rate has doubled, she's dehydrated and she's risking renal failure. That's just four days. Now, of course, that's four more days than I've ever gone without food, but this asshole claims she can go for weeks, months, even years without eating and tells everyone it's good for them. Can you come to the intelligent view yet? If my body you, tells me, yes. That you can't survive on air. No, that's not true because I've done it for a long period of time and the last time, look, 6,000 people have done this around the world without any problem, Richard. Poor Richard. It's pointless arguing with her. It's like playing chess with a pigeon. You could be the greatest grandmaster ever, make all the perfect moves, but the pigeon's just going to puff out its chest, knock over the pieces and shit all over the board and declare itself the winner. But look, even to a layman like me, at the end of four days, I can see your body's collapsing. Will you because yet I've come spent to... two days fighting carbon monoxide poisoning. If 60 Minutes didn't put me beside the Story Bridge, the busiest main road, where, like, I asked for fresh air, like 70% of my nutrients come from fresh air, I couldn't even breathe in that place. Can you explain how she can believe this, given the evidence in front of her? But I've done it before. I can't, and I mean... The vast majority of the, the community out there don't believe for one second that Jasmuheen practices what she preaches. As delirious as Jasmuheen is right now, she really did not like that. And, uh, don't say such terrible things on national television and assault the audience out there. But unfortunately, there are a few people who may believe what she says, and I'm sure that's only a few but I think it's quite irresponsible for someone to be trying to encourage others to do something that is so detrimental to their health and well-being. Despite almost dying on national television, Jasmuheen still hawks her dangerous crap online, and she's not the only one. One is a really annoying skinny chick called Casey Michelle, who extols the benefits of pranic lifestyle. She has 52,000 followers and has videos with titles like quick and easy breath sessions and I haven't eaten anything this year and ejaculation is self-sabotage? Another is an Israeli guy called Ray Mayor who not only offers breatharian workshops but also tantric workshops so he's a pervert as well. I did watch some of their videos but I'm not going to share any of them with you. They add nothing to what we've already heard and they're extremely smug and annoying. And really, no one should be watching or listening to a word they say. Episode 53. 
Pretherius, the epilogue. So, what have we learnt this week? We learnt that, despite being a dangerous fraud who really did try to scam billions from people, Wiley seemed to be against starving babies. Well, does that mean that when a baby is born, you don't have to give it anything to eat, no milk or anything? No, that would only work if the mother was a breatharian. We learnt that, while we might dismiss these people as either delusional nutjobs or money-grabbing charlatans, they are actually dangerous people who seem to have no remorse. I, I don't mean to belittle your, your beliefs, and I'm sure they're sincerely held, but there is a woman who is dead in Scotland as a consequence of following your well, principles. We... And we learnt that Jasmine Heen believes that not eating makes her mind and body the absolute best. And this is what she thinks her best self is. It's Friday night. You started on Monday night. How much water have you had? None. None whatsoever? No, I'm not allowed. How much food? None, I'm not allowed. When I first started looking at this, it was just like normal. A bunch of freaks pushing their crackpot theories, mostly for money, and pretending they are the answer to all the world's problems. But then I learnt about the deaths. As I said, as of 2012, there were five attributed to Jasmuheen alone. That was nine years ago, and it appears she doesn't care because she's still hawking the same books and workshops that done in for the poor deceased disciples. If I could get a hold of her most devout followers, I'd be taking out some life insurance on them. They're just as bad as that asshole Jerry Sargent. In fact, telling people to starve themselves might even be worse than f selling fake cancer cures. They're at least very close on the douchebaggery scale. The only plus side to them is that they'd be cheap dates. Giving up food and drink is obviously ridiculous. Especially for me. At my advanced age, food is one of the few pleasures I have left. And surely telling your followers to stop eating is a bad business model. The death of a follower surely means a drop of income and a lot of bad publicity. But they just don't seem to care. If you enjoy this podcast, then share it with your friends and let me know. Join the Facebook group and the Instagram, and you can email me at I don't know pod at outlook.com. Special thanks to our logo creator, Raymond Roel of Project Raven Creative. See all of his links in the show notes. Thank you for listening and come back next week to find out what I don't know. Which is our code word